sing the echo part. Let me ask you, if you think that God can meet her in a bar, do you think God can meet you at work? The answer to that is yes. Y'all didn't do real well. If he can meet her in a bar, can he meet you at the ball field, at, in your house, or wherever? That's the power of God to change lives. I look around this room, and I see lives that have been changed like that. And, uh, and so we're going to be facing some giants. She faced a giant of addiction, and we've got people that have faced that giant. And we're going to be looking at some different giants that we face uh, in the coming weeks of, of fear, of hopelessness. She was pretty hopeless at one point, right? We're going to face the fear of guilt and shame. You think she experienced a little guilt and shame? We're going to, we're going to uh, look at those different things and we're going to go on a faith journey together. And we're going to, uh, we're going to just face some giants that we all face. And we're going to allow the power of God to help us uh, deal with those giants. Anybody got some giants in your life? We all do. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Don't lie in church. It's really bad. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of different words that different religions use. Uh, some use strive. Some use, uh, you know, go and do and things like that or wait and ponder. The one, there's several words in Christianity we use. One is done because your faith, your salvation completely is dependent on what Jesus has already done on the cross. You see, if he hadn't have died on the cross, we wouldn't have forgiveness. If he hadn't have died on the cross, been resurrected and ascended into heaven, we wouldn't have the Holy Spirit here. And, and so everything we have is dependent on what Jesus has already done. There, and there's, there's words like that. There's, I saw a word that's used uh, in, the, in the Bible. It's called go. 
And, and the word go has been used 1,138 times in the New Living Translation. In different translations, it'll pop up different numbers. It's uh, been used 251 times in the New Testament. So you could say that our Christian faith or, the, or even Jewish uh, faith before us is a going kind of religion. I mean, God told Abraham to go to a place, and he said he didn't even tell him where he was going. How many of y'all, if God told you to just go that way, We'd head out, right? Lord, am I going to Baton Rouge or Houston? Well, I'll tell you later. I mean, I'll tell you about Gonzales or somewhere down there, you know. Uh, Most of us probably wouldn't. He told Joshua to go possess the promised land. He told David to go fight the the enemy. He told Gideon to go and save his people. He told Nehemiah to go rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He told Jeremiah to go out and teach his word. He's going to tell us to go and do some stuff too. Uh, Let me tell you, God didn't... God didn't send Jesus to die on a cross. He didn't send Jesus to die on a cross so we could come here and just get blessed and sit on our comfortable seats. He died on a cross to fill us with his power so we could do the work that he's called for us to do. But the thing is, most of us never do that. Most of us never find out or realize what it is God wants us to do. And one big reason we're going to deal with that today is fear. Write this down. Fear keeps us from becoming what God wants us to be and from doing what God wants us to do. And we allow fear to do that. We, you know, there's, there's some, several fears we're going to look at today, and, and uh, we'll see those in the life of Moses and, and, and all. But these fears keep us from being who God wants us to be and from doing what God wants us to do. And, uh, and, and we'll progress kind of through that. I mean, uh, Moses... We all know Moses, you know, he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, right? We think, you know, how many of y'all seen Ten Commandments, you know, the stick, you know, and all that. And so Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and God did all kinds of mighty miracles through him. But Moses struggled with that purpose. Uh, you know, at first, when Moses realized he was a Hebrew, uh, you know, his first attempt to free the Israelites uh, was that he killed an Egyptian. And because of that, he had to leave Egypt. Or he was going to be killed himself. You know, he killed this Egyptian. He tried to do it his way. And so after Moses did that, he ended up living in the desert for 40 years. Now, he was 40 when he found out that he was not an Egyptian, that he was a Hebrew. And And he lives out in the desert for 40 years. And then one day, look what the Bible says in Exodus 3, 1 through 6. It says one day. How many of y'all have ever had a one day moment? I mean, life is going. I remember one time I was... I was in hospital work, you know, I was enjoying, and then one day, God said, this isn't what I want you to be doing, and, and so he changes that. So one day Moses was tending flock, the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. How many of you have ever wanted God just to like maybe speak to you through a burning bush? You really had a big decision to make? You know, I used to threaten to put a tape recorder in a bush saying, Mary Robert, and turn, set it on fire. So Kathy would say, yes, you know. Took me a while to talk her into marrying me. But, but you know, he's got this bush that's, that's burning. Look what it says. Moses stared in amazement. That's an understatement, isn't it? I mean, if you're looking at a bush and it's burning and it's not burning up, that's going to get your attention. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. 
why isn't that bush burning up? I've got to go see. So God gets Moses' attention with a burning bush. I would imagine he's gotten some of your attentions in different ways as well. Sometimes it, he, he makes us uncomfortable where we are so that we'll move from where we are, right? And, uh, but he'll use all sorts of things. He used this burning bush for Moses. It said, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called out to him from the middle of the bush, Moses. I can't do it quite like, you know, the Ten Commandments, but Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Y'all, that's an appropriate response when you're face-to-face with God. And, and uh, you know, we get to come boldly, but we're still looking at a holy God that even the ground is, is sacred that, that he's on. And, and so Moses covered his face. And so God is speaking to Moses in the desert, you know. And, and so Moses is he's probably pretty impressed with this. I mean, don't you think? And then here's what God says. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries and distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware they're suffering. And you know Moses be thinking like we are. It's about time. God, go get them. Go do something about that. And, uh, and so in verse 10, God said, okay, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. I don't think that's what Moses had in mind when he was thinking, okay, it's about time you, you see this problem. And, and so God has given Moses a mission. He's given you and me a mission. How do you know it's a mission from God? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder, well, is this what God wants me to do? Is this kind of what I want to do? Well, one, if it's a mission from God, it's based on God's love. Let me tell you something. We've got to see people the way God sees us. God sees people and he loves them and, and it's based on love. It's not, it's not motivated by popularity, power, money, or looking good or anything. It's strictly based on the love of God, and God sees the needs of people, and he, and he motivates us, he moves us to go and meet the needs of people. It, number two, it's personal. God didn't say, hey, I think I'm going to send somebody. No, he said, Moses, I'm sending you. God didn't say, you know, I want somebody to start this church called River Church or start Youth for Christ, and, and he said, no, Robert, you're going to start it. You see, he's got something for each one of you It's personal. He sent Moses to do it. He said, Moses, you're going to go do this. And it's practical. Number three, it's practical. He didn't tell Moses to go and just go bless the people. He said, no, you go set them free and lead them out of Egypt. He's very specific about that. And so he'll, he'll, he'll tell us, he'll give us a specific thing to do. And, and, and that's kind of how you know that it's from God. I mean, you know, it, it, you know it's from God when it's motivated by love, when it's personal, when it's practical, and it's specific, I guess I should have said. He's got something for you to do. Now let's look at these fears that, as we go through this story of Moses. And, and you're going to laugh because we're going to identify with some of these, all right? And uh, so let's look at the five fears we struggle with. One is the fear of inadequacy. And this is a big one. Uh, you know, we don't feel like we measure up. Uh, we're, you know, we don't feel like we're capable of doing what God is calling us to do. I mean, we'll say stuff like, I don't know enough. I don't have the skill set, God. Uh, you know, how could God ever use me? I, I'm, I'm divorced. I'm, I'm this. I'm, you know, I'm that. And how could God ever use me? And that's exactly what Moses dealt with. Look what, 
look what, what happened. God said, I have a mission for you, and here's what Moses said. It says, Moses protested to God. Who am I? He said, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And then he said it again. Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? Moses is going like, you know, no, not me. Who am I to do that? Other translations say it differently. In the, great, in the good news, it says, I'm nobody. Moses said, hey, I'm nobody. I can't, how can I go to the king? Another translation, it says, hey, it says, he just said this, I'm not the person for the job. You ever said that when somebody's asking you to do something? I'm, I'm just not the person for the job. You got the wrong guy, you know. And, uh, and, and so uh, Moses said that. And, and then in uh, the message, it says this, Moses answered God, but why me? <laughs> okay, anybody beside me? I mean, you know, come on, be honest. Uh, you know, why me? Why do you want me to do that, God? I mean, I can't do that. You know, Mitch would do a lot better job of that, or, or Ronnie would do a better job and, and, and stuff like that. I remember, uh, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll sing and, uh, or he'll call us to do things. I remember when the chaplain left Bridge City Correctional. I don't know why this popped in my mind, but I'm going to say it. Uh, you know, uh, the, I remember Pastor Kathy would go every other Wednesday, and I would go the other Wednesdays. I'd go with her, and I'd go the other Wednesdays with the other guy. And I stood up to open up the service, and it was at that point I realized there's nobody there to lead the singing. Y'all, I'm not a singer, okay? And, and so this is back during the days of tapes. And so it's like, oh, this is not going to be good. And, and, uh, and so I'm opening up the service, and, uh, you know, you don't have to be good. You just got to be creative. I realized it was a dual track system, and I pulled that voice track up, there's a group of guys that are probably in their 30s now that think I sound like Kirk Franklin. <laughs> Even had to move, you know. And, and so I was, I was, but you know what? God calls us to do things that we're not comfortable doing. But I was going, Lord, why me? Why can't Kathy be here tonight? <laughs> you know? She didn't sing with a split track, all right? You know, and uh, so, you know, Moses was asking God, I mean, why me? Forty years earlier, he was ready. Remember, he killed that Egyptian. Now, he's, man, he's, he's been out in the desert for a while, and, and, you know, he tried to do it, and he failed. And, and listen, sometimes after a big failure, sometimes after a big failure, you just lose your confidence, and that kind of happened to Moses. You know, he was gung-ho. He's going, Lord, I'll free him up. You know, he killed that Egyptian. And go, whoa, and uh, this is not going to work out the way I thought it was. And so he lost his confidence. And, uh, and, and, you know, he just probably was at a point where he didn't want to stick his, his neck out. I mean, look at him. He was 40 when he found out he wasn't an Egyptian. Forty years later, I mean, he's 80 years old. He's ready to go on Social Security and Medicare. I mean, he's got, he's got sheep. He's got goats. He's got cows. He's got children and grandchildren. He might even have great-grandchildren. He might, back then, he might have great-great-grandchildren. I mean, they kind of married early back then, you know. He's... He's 80, he had dogs, he had everything. And, uh, and he's just thinking, you know, I'm just ready to like coast into retirement. God, find another 40-year-old, you know. I mean, go find a young one, and, and that happens. I mean, God will tell us he has something for us to do, and we'll feel like it's bigger than what we can do or more difficult than what we can do. And so we start looking at our own inadequacies. Let me tell you something. We're always going to feel inadequate because without God, we are inadequate. I promise you. Look at this. God didn't really care how Moses felt. God, I mean, he, never, he, he didn't feel, he didn't care whether he felt inadequate or not. 
He was inadequate. I mean, who could be who could be capable of going and leading a million and a half people out of a nation that's enslaved them for 400 years? Nobody. But that's what God told Moses to go do. He gave him something that was way too big to do that. But here's the thing. When God chooses you, he'll empower you. Say that with me. When God chooses you, he'll empower you. And, and that's what he did for Moses. And whatever he's asking you to do, it will work. It will work. So if God chooses you, it doesn't matter that you feel inadequate. And, uh, and we're all inadequate because God gives us big tasks to do. Now, here's the thing. Here's God's response to that fear. He said this, I will be with you. That's his response to fear. I'll be with you. How many of you know that one plus God, one plus God is a majority? If it's me and God, we got you outnumbered, you know. And that's the thing. Look what he says in Exodus 3.12. God answered, I will be with you. Say that with me. I will be with you. That's what God says to you. When you go to work tomorrow, God's going to be with you. When you go to work tonight, God's going to be with you. Wherever you go, God is saying, I'm going to be with you. So that's the answer. If God is, listen, if God is with us, we can lose our fear. It, you know, you can't do it by yourself, but you can do it with God. You know, we're all inadequate for what God is assigning us to do, but we don't have to let that keep us from doing it. it, it you know, we just do it because God is there. It happens all throughout the Bible. Let me give you some examples. I, I mentioned Gideon earlier. God tells Gideon to go and deliver his people from a group of terrorists called the Philistines, you know, and, and they were ruling over Israel at that time. Israel was subservient to them. And God says, hey, look, I want you to go free these people. He says, hey, God, you got the wrong guy. He said, listen, I'm from the weakest tribe in, in all of the tribes. And I'm from the smallest, poorest family. And I'm the runt of the litter. You got the wrong guy. And God spoke life into him and said, no, you're a mighty man of God. And Gideon delivered his people. Jeremiah. He said, you know, he told Jeremiah, I'm going to use you during one of the most difficult times in history. You're going to be my spokesman. And God tells him he even knew him before he was born and, and saw him and set him apart and anointed him to be his spokesman. And, and here's what Jeremiah said, Lord, you got the wrong guy. He said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. I'm too young. You ever felt that way? I mean, today in this culture, they'll say, oh, you're too old. God, man, I'm too old. I'm, that's what Moses was saying. God, I'm 80. Give me a break. Give me a break. God, I'm too young. And, and so the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Let me just tell you something. It does not work well when you run from God. I've done it. I've tried it, and it doesn't go well. Uh, Jonah tried it. It didn't go well for Jonah. You know, and, and so he said, I'll go with you and and I will send you, you say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with, what did he say? I'll be with you, and I'll protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so he's saying, look, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. He said he would be with him. How many of you know when we have God with us, it don't matter who's with them, because God's with us. There's a lady one time that was afraid to witness to her friends. I imagine we got some people here where we sometimes are afraid to witness to our friends. And, but she felt God leading her to share faith with somebody, with one of her friends. And, but like Moses, she didn't feel adequate. She, she said, I don't, I don't talk well. I don't, I'm not a good speaker. 
Uh, what if they ask some questions I don't understand and all that stuff? But she shared what she knew of her testimony and she invited them to church. They came to church. They gave their life to the Lord. And guess what? That lady's friend's going to be in heaven because she fought through her fear and invited her friend. We've got to remember this. Look at Philippians 4.13. Paul said this. I can do what? Everything. I can, I can share Jesus with my friend. I can share Jesus with my relative. I can, through God, Christ, who gives me the strength. Folks, we've got power that you don't know about. And so um, we need to understand that. Second fear we deal with is the fear of embarrassment. The fear of embarrassment. I mean, you're afraid you're going to get into a situation and somebody's going to ask you a question and you don't know it, the answer, right? How many of y'all afraid of that? Anybody? How many? Just be honest. You're afraid you're going to... Guess what? That's going to happen. And guess what else? It don't matter. It doesn't matter. None of us have all the answers. God's got the answers. God will give them to you. Look, look what he says. Moses protested. And he said, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they're going to ask, what's his name? And he basically said, I don't even know who you are, God. What, what am I going to say when they ask me this question? Man, we've all experienced that, right? At least Moses is kind of asking the right question. It doesn't matter who I am. It matters who God is. <laughs> it's like, God, who can I tell him told me? <laughs> and, and, and so uh, here's what God's replies. God, the, the, I'll give you the blank because I know some of you will quit if I don't give you the blank. God's response to our fear of embarrassment is God reveals himself. Now, the scripture there is God replied to Moses and said, I am who I am. You know, in the movie it says, I am who I am. I love that because it doesn't mean, he didn't say I was, I will be, or anything like that. He said, I am. Say this to the people I am has sent me to you. And God said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. He said, I am. And, and what, is, what does that mean? I mean, what is, it, it means, you know, there's uh, some ways you can know that God's name will help you overcome your fear. Look, it means that God is real. I am. He's real. He said, I'm here. I'm real. I'm alive. He said, it, it also means that God's eternal. He didn't say I was. He didn't say, I'm going to be. God is eternal. How many of you know God was here before anything else was here? He'll be here at the end. God is eternal. We need to understand that. These are some basic truths that you need to understand. Listen, God was here before the woke culture got woke up, and he was here before some of us went to sleep. Okay? He's eternal. It also means that God is true. I am. He's true to his own character. He's not trying to be me. He's not trying to be you. He's not trying to be like some other little God. He's, he is who he is. I remember when I was doing schools one time, I had a little girl come in. She had identified as suicidal, and she was coming. I had to interview her, and she came in, and, and she says, well, she, she knew I did uh, campus life, she, so she knew I was a, a minister. She said, well, I hope you don't mind that I'm a pagan. I said, no, I don't mind you're a pagan at all because my God created yours. She, she didn't know what to do with that. I am. He's above everything. He's true. It also means God doesn't change. He said, I am who I am. He didn't say, I'm going, I am who I might be next week or anything. So that, you know what that means? That if God loves you today, he'll love you tomorrow. He'll love you next week. 
He'll love you down the road. If God said, I'll give you the words to say when you need them, he will. Because he doesn't change. It said, Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord and I do not change. We've got to understand that. God doesn't change. His love for you is always there. So those, those four things are great fear relievers. So when you understand that God is real and that he's eternal, that he's true and he never changes, that will give us the foundation we need to build on instead of fear. If you build your life on anything other than God, you're going to spend your life in fear. The more you know God, the less fear you have. You might want to jot that down. It's like this. If you know God, you have no fear. If there is no God, N-O, you'll be dominated by fear. So we want to know God. A third fear that we all face. So that was embarrassment. We're worried that we're going to be asked something we don't know what it is or what the answer is going to be. The next one is rejection. It's like being picked last on the baseball field, you know, when they're picking teams. Or something. We don't want to be in, we don't want to be rejected. Look, Moses suffered this. Moses, look, he protested again. Well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if I say, and what if they say, the Lord didn't appear to you? We don't believe you. I mean, you know, Moses was worried that they were going to reject him. He's going, he, he's, you know, who are you? We're not listening to you. And, and so he said, that, what if they say that you never appeared? He said, see, the fear of rejection uh, that he's experiencing, the Bible calls that fear of man. See, a lot of us are worried about what people think, not what God thinks. And so here's what Proverbs 29, 25 says. Solomon, the second wisest man to ever live, said this, the fear of man is a dangerous trap. Because here's what happens. If you start worrying about what this person thinks, I'm going to worry about what this person thinks. And if they think the opposite, I'm all messed up. You know, and so we've got to learn not to be afraid of what man thinks. I'm not saying we just go around busting people's chops and not care, not being polite or anything like that. But we don't, we don't worry about that. But to trust in God means safety. We trust in God. When we base our life on the word of God and on who God is, we don't have to bump all over the place in our opinions and the way we act and live. We stay straight. We stay true. We stay on the path because our life is based on God and his word. We don't have to fear rejection. And so if you leave your life always worried about what people think, you're going to become a slave to that. You're going to become a slave to that. And, and you'll become afraid of criticism and afraid, of to, afraid to do what God wants you to do. What if people think I'm, what, what, you know, what if people think I'm not cool? Then, then what am I going to do? What if, you know, and... Um, I remember when I used to do school assemblies. He'd be off all summer. And I can remember every year for 20 years, the first one I was always afraid. What if they don't laugh at the jokes? What if they don't, what if they don't participate? What if when you call them down here, you know? And then when you call them down and 300 of them would come running out to participate, you know, all the fear is over. But, but you know, we, we can get trapped in that. And we don't want to do that. Look at, look at what God's response. Look what God's response to that fear is is that he will use, write this down, he'll use what we give him, what we give him. He'll use what we give him. Write that down. He will use what we give him. Look at Exodus 4.2. It says, Then the Lord asked Moses, What's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Now let me, just, let me just give you a little secret. When God asks somebody something, it's never for God's 
you know, benefit. It's for your benefit. Hey, you think God didn't know what Moses had in his hand? I mean, it's like when he was looking for Adam in the garden, you don't think he knew where Adam was? I mean, he's God, right? Remember, just remember that. You know, and so he's asking Moses, hey, what's that in your hand? He knew it. But he wanted Moses to know. He wanted Moses to recognize uh, what, who he was, and he wants you to do the same. See, for Moses, that staff represented who he was. He was a shepherd. It's like a stethoscope around somebody's neck. Might identify them as a medical professional, uh, you know, and stuff like that. It's, and, and so Moses was a shepherd, and that staff showed that. It also showed kind of what his income level was. You could count his cows and know if he was worth more than that guy over there. You could count their cows and, because that's what their their value was. And and uh, and so what what God is is saying here is is Moses. I want you to take everything you are. I want you to take who you are, and I'm going to use it to overcome the rejection that you're afraid of. See, that staff was a piece of wood, but when he gave it to God, it became a snake. That staff was a piece of wood, but when he gave it to God, it parted the Red Sea. When he gave it to God, he touched the Nile, and it became blood. You see, when we, God wants you to give him who you are, and when we do, he will use it to do great things. And let me tell you, that staff became known as the rod of God because Moses gave it to God. Moses gave it to God, and, and, uh, and God used it in a mighty way. So the question for us is what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Who are you? What are you going to give to God to use and do mighty things? Let me tell you something. If you'll, if you'll today give to God whatever he's asking from you, he will make it come alive. And he'll do things in your life you never, ever imagined. Let me tell you, when you've got that kind of power in your life, you're not going to be afraid of what people are going to think. You're not going to be afraid of what people are going to think. Uh, you know, uh, look at this next one. The fear of comparison. We always do this, right? He's got a bigger boat than I do. Got a nicer house. His car is a lot nicer than a fear of comparison. You start looking around and you compare what, what you're doing with others. And, 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 and let me tell you, when you do that, it'll mess you up. Because, see, we always see them at their best and they... And we see ourselves at our worst. It's a fear of comparison. Moses replied to God when God was calling him. He said, I've never been a good speaker. I wasn't one before you spoke to me, and I'm not one now. I'm slow at speaking. I can never think of what to say. I mean, see, Moses was saying he wasn't a good speaker, but let me ask you, who is he comparing himself to? He's out in the desert with sheep. <laughs> but... He probably is a little bit better than the sheep were. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, he, 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 the only way you're going to find out if you're any good at anything is to try it. How does he know? Let me tell you something. You're a lot better at a lot of things than you think you are. Some of y'all think, well, I'm, I couldn't do this. I couldn't lead a small group. I couldn't help with children. I couldn't help with the youth. I couldn't, I couldn't even greet. I'm not, I, you know, I get choked up when I talk to people. Or whatever, you're a lot better than you think you are. And you'll never know until you give that to the Lord. And, uh, and so, you know, Moses is, he's saying, hey, I can't think of what to say. I, that's a big one. Anybody besides me? You struggle with that? I, well, Lord, if, I, if I'm, you want me to go talk to this person, what am I going to say? Let me give you something that will help you. It's called speak. 
S P E A K. K. P. K. <laughs> we come up with an acrostic for key here. Uh, speak. So the S would be, hey, look, just tell me your story. You know, everybody's got a story. You know what? If you ask somebody their story, they love, people love to talk about themselves. You get them talking, you, you might be there for a while. Some people, you will be there for a while, all right? Get them, get them, just say, look, people love to talk about it. Hey, tell me, tell me, how, you know, you don't sound like you're from down here. How'd you get down here? You know, you just start talking. Tell me your story. And, uh, and, and the P is, what's your passion? P is passion. You know, what are some things you love to do? I see you got pictures of kids. You know, tell me about your children. Uh, you know, what, what about your work? Do you love doing how, how, You know, tell me about your passions. What, what are your interests? What makes you get up every day besides the alarm clocks? The E is encourage them. See, once you know uh, their story and their passion, maybe they're talking about, hey, you know, I want to I open this business and I want to do this. And you can encourage them. You know what? Man, just hearing your enthusiasm, I think you'd be great at that. You just give them a word of encouragement. I mean, let me tell you, that's some of the best blessing you can give somebody is say you would be great at what it is you're dreaming about doing. An A would, be, would stand for assistance. I mean, how many times did somebody come to Jesus and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus would say, what do you want me to do? And then he'd meet that need. Give people assistance. The K is knowledge. Knowledge. Hey, what do you know that I need to know? Somebody might, they might tell you what you need to know. Or who do you know that I need to know? You're inviting somebody to come with you to church or you're inviting somebody to, to, to do something. You say, well, who, who are some people that would need to know kind of what we're talking about? Guess what? They'll, they'll give you names. They'll, 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 they'll start talking. You see, these things will help you just... Start conversation. And then God's response to our fear is that he will give us the words to say. Will you just start using those things as a conversation starter? God said, I'm going to tell you what to say. Look, look what he said to Moses. He says, the Lord asked Moses, what makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether a person, people speak or don't speak or hear or don't hear or see or who? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you as to what to say. That's a promise. And you say, well, that's good for Moses. He told that to Moses. But guess what? Jesus tells us the same thing. Look what he says in, in Matthew 10. He said, when you're arrested or when somebody asks you what it is you're talking about, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. What does it say? Read that with me. God will give you the right words at the right time. God will give us the words. That's to us. That wasn't to Moses. That's what Jesus is telling you. It's a promise to us over and over. If you think back about it, you'll, re you'll remember these. Over and over, the Holy Spirit has given you, whether it's related to your jobs or whatever, the right words to say, the right questions to say, the right insight. You know, you, you'll be going, where'd that come from? Well, you know where it came from. It came from God. You're asking questions of somebody, and there's no way you could have known that in this Pops in your brain and you ask it and, man, opens the floodgates. See, God will give you the right words at the right time. Moses here was running out of excuses. Some of y'all might be running out of excuses too. And Moses again pleaded, Lord, just send somebody else. 
Just send somebody else, Lord. I mean, bottom line, Moses just didn't want to go, did he? He had a fear of commitment. He had a fear of commitment. Maybe it was he just didn't care. I don't know. I mean, maybe he didn't care. He wasn't committed enough to, to go and, and take over a million people who were in slavery and were being treated like animals. You know, he didn't care that God's saying, I'll use you, I'll be with you, I'll tell you what to say. I'm going to start a nation and you can help me do it, Moses. He didn't care about all that. He says, you know, I'm just kind of tired. I want to sit here with my grandkids. Moses goes, no thanks. I'm going to show you God's response to that attitude. God's response is accountability. How did, how did he hold Moses accountable? It said, then the Lord became angry. With Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you. He will be delighted to see you. Now, he didn't let, he didn't let Moses off. He just gave him a sidekick to go with him. And get, let me tell you, God will be patient with us. God called me into ministry for a long time before I went. He had to make it very uncomfortable where I was before I went into the ministry. And start doing what he called me to do. And he'll do that same thing with you. And, and, uh, and so he'll lose patience. You know, he'll, he'll put up with us for a while. And then he's going to say, listen, Robert, it's time for you to get off this fence and get going. One day we're going to stand before God. And we're going to say and we're going to explain to him why we either did or didn't do what he wanted us to do. You see, there's, there's <laughs> some of y'all are going, whoa, wait a minute grace this i want to just come and be blessed i want to come listen no 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 see god's got a mission for us and there's accountability he, he didn't put you on this earth for yourself he didn't put you here to be just to get blessed and to come and sit in these comfortable seats and enjoy donuts before church i mean uh you know he has a mission for us when the israelites were set free out of egypt god told them to go into the promised land and they said, oh, no, we, we can't fight those guys. They're too big. They're too big. I mean, we can't do that. And so God said, okay, die in the desert. You're thinking, whoa, whoa, what happened to this God of love? What happened to this? Aren't y'all glad you came to church today? God just said, okay, just go die in, go die in the desert. And, and look, he let them all die. They wandered in the desert for 40 years Tell everybody of that generation that said, we can't fight these people. We can't do what you want us to do, God, including Moses, were dead. The only two went into the promised land from that generation were Joshua and Caleb. Because they came back and said, with God's help, we can take it. And so Caleb was like in his 80s. And, and when they went in, he, Caleb said, give me the hardest ones. I'll take the mountain people. He said, I'm as good as I ever was for the Lord. And, and so... He let them all die. He let them wander around until they were all gone. We don't want to die in the desert. One day two men came up to Jesus. You know, one said, hey, I want to follow you, but first let me go take care of some business. The other one said, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus, but first let me go bury my dad. His dad wasn't even really dead. I mean, most people think it was, he was just wanting to wait a while, you know. Listen, that's a contradictory thing. You can't say, God, I want to follow you, but... Me first. It's always God first. He's got to be number one in our lives. He's got to be, everybody say it, number one in our lives. So you can't say, God, I want to follow you, but 
just doesn't work. That's what Moses was doing. God would say something, Moses would go, but God. God would say something else, Moses would go, but God. Every one of his objections, but God. Let me tell you, what's your but God? What's your but God? Think about that. You see, what's the but that's holding you back from doing what God wants you to accomplish? What's God saying to you? What's he been saying to you? What, what, you know, we need to get on with it because with God's plan for us, his mission for us, there is responsibility. In Ezekiel 33, 8, God said, if, if I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins. And look what he says. I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Think about that. You go, whoa, wait a minute. You mean God holds me accountable for sharing with my family? He doesn't hold you responsible for getting them saved. He holds us responsible to share with those people he brings in our lives. He holds us accountable. So there's accountability. So how do we get started on this mission? I want to give you several things real quick, and I'm wrapping up. Number one is you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender to the Lord. You say, God, anytime, anywhere, anything, I'm all in. I'm all in, God. I'm going to do whatever it takes to follow you. I'm all in. You surrender. I surrender, God. I surrender. I, the old way, the things I love to do, Lord, you just show me what it is. I'm in. You accept Christ. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Pastor Kathy did that early. Maybe you need to follow through and, and get baptized back there. We're going to be doing a baptism Wednesday night, actually. So you, you may, if you've never been baptized after you've received Christ, but you've got to surrender. It's more than just praying a prayer. It's more than even just getting baptized. That's, you know why we do baptisms? It's a small step towards obedience to God. Why? Because Jesus said, go and be baptized. He said, get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's an act of obedience. And, and, and so it's just one of those things. And so you, you, then the second thing is you first you surrender, then you've got to pray. You've got to pray. God, I need your wisdom. Look what he told Jeremiah. Pray that the Lord God will show us what to do and where to go. And, you know, God will give you that. It says he'll speak to you from behind and say, go this way, go this way. You've got decisions to make. We need to be praying. And the third thing we need to do is ask Jesus to fill, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has got the love of Jesus in it. And let me tell you, the Bible says that perfect love, the Holy Spirit, casts out fear. So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, with the love of Christ, we, our fear reduces. Our fear reduces. Look, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. A better reading of that is, is uh, this translation. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He wants us to have a sound mind to be balanced mentally, to not be destroyed by fear, but we walk in power and love. So what fear is holding you back from doing what God wants you to do? I believe if you do, if you'll surrender, if you'll pray, if you'll ask Christ to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that the fear will be gone. 
that the fear will be gone. So just bow your heads with me, if you will. If you'll take a small step, it should be on the screen. Pray this with me. Lord, fill me with your love. Jesus, fill me with love so I'm not filled with fear. I commit to you. I trust you. I want to fulfill your life mission for my life, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Father, you just heard us. We confess it. So, Lord, you see the ones that had their hands up. Lord, and we pray that some earlier prayed to receive you. If they didn't, Lord, right now, I pray they cry out to you to forgive them of their sin, to come into their life, whether in this room or online. God, and they'll be saved. Saved from a life of misery. Saved from a life of powerlessness, just falling for everything that comes their way. And saved from an eternity in hell, Lord. But they'll be saved to live in a life of power. To live in a life that's overcoming. To live in a life full of joy and full of peace. An overcoming power, God. So Lord, I just pray, God, as we walk out of here in just a little while. Lord, that you would just empower us like never before. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand up and sing. If you need to come up to the altar, if you need me to pray for you, I'm here to pray for you. That we're not dismissing. This is a worship time. Maybe you want to get on the altar and talk to God about what you raised your hand about. You might not want me to pray for you. You just need to come up here and pray. Uh, Or if you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you right here. But we're going to worship. And uh, the altars are open. Not, like I said, not a time to leave. In a little while, I'll dismiss you. Let's worship.